Hi, everyone. Welcome to Fatal Error. Uh, I'm Chris. And I'm Sarush. And uh, this week we thought we'd talk about conferences and uh, maybe particularly speaking of conferences, although I suspect we'll branch out. Yeah. Conferences are definitely like, I feel like they're a really big part of our community. And um, a lot of people have the goal of speaking at a conference. And so as someone who uh, I am speaking at like I think seven conferences this year, I would kind of like want to put that out there and see if anybody has questions or if Chris, you have things you want to talk about. Wait, and ask you're me speaking about at seven conferences this year? Seven conferences, yeah. That is, I mean, three of them are over and there's four coming up. That's really impressive, especially considering, you know, we're about halfway through the year. And for my part, I mean, I want to ask you some questions and hear about some of your experiences and also maybe like, let, maybe try to discuss conferences in the community from uh, like that more, attendee perspective for sure there's a lot of like um i know you go to strange loop and that's not necessarily an ios conference but i think some of the stuff they talk about there is super interesting so i want to pick your brain about that too yeah for i mean i've been to one strange loop so far so uh, strange loop. still yeah. more than me fair enough yeah yeah well let's kick it off so the next conference that you're speaking at is 360 idev which is in just a few weeks now right yeah it's in denver and it's in uh, i think three three or so weeks Cool. And how, how big a conference is this? I've never gone. Uh, I know a little bit about it, but only a little. So it's pretty big. It's like 400 people, which is a reasonably sized conference, I would say, for our community. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I'm giving the keynote, which is a little bit nerve-wracking. Um, so I'm writing a brand new talk for that. It should be pretty... It's, just, it's pretty intense, yeah. So I was going to ask, I know that you've given your um, sequence talk a few times now, so you're doing something totally new. Yeah, yeah. I figured um, for the keynote, there may not necessarily be technical people in the audience. And they may, you know, the, mm-hmm. the sequence and collection thing is kind of uh, tailor suited. It's for in the like, weeds. It's very in the weeds, which is like, I like the weeds. And I think the show, oh, yeah. you know, we spend a lot of time in the weeds and we enjoy it. But um, I think for like a kind of a broader audience, um, it may not be the exact right sort of topic. So I wanted to write something that was a little bit more general, a little bit more friendly and welcoming. So basically, can you share what you will be talking about yet? Or is this uh, a surprise? No, I'm happy to share. The first draft is written, which I I find is like the most, um, the heaviest part of the work. Uh, So I have a pretty good concept of what it's about, but it may shift slightly. And this is a Patreon only episode. So this is like a secret for our Patreon listeners. (laughs) Um, If you're going to be at 360 iDev, let me know and do do the thing where you like, you wink and then you flick your nose with your index finger so that I know that you're a listener of the show. (laughs) Um, <laughs> or, or or just come up and say, hey, Sarush, I yeah. listen to the show. <laughs> that would be fine, too. <laughs> so the, the topic of the, of the talk, it originally was called Everything I Have That's Good I Got From Writing. Um, but it sort of morphed into this very similar, but like, I think, more refined and more useful topic called Finding Your Place on the Internet. And it's all about like, like back in the day, like I would read like John Gruber's blog and I'd be like, oh man, John Gruber is so cool. And I like want to blog just like him. Mm-hmm. And, but you don't really know what you're getting yourself into when you say something like that. And even worse, like if you just clone what John Gruber does, like people don't want a diet version of John Gruber. They, they'll just go to the real thing. So you really have to figure out your own sort of approach to whatever it is that you want to make and put on the internet. And, um, that involves like finding your voice. It invi- involves like, you know, it involves a lot of things of like figuring out who you are and who your audience is and, and 
what you want to be to that audience. And so that's the broad topic. It's basically how I write, why I write. And like, if you want to build something, whether it's an app or you want to build like an audience on YouTube or you want to like get your ideas out in the world, whatever it is, how, how like, or what I've learned in going through that process, basically. This seems like like something that I would be really interested in listening to, and I'm not going to be at this conference, but uh, I, I hope it's recorded or uh, you can give me a crash course at some point. Yeah, totally. Uh, maybe I can do a do a practice version of it for you. Yeah, I, w- I would love that. Um, yeah. They should be doing videos, so ideally the video will be up at some point, but... Okay, you know. cool. So that's something that I wanted to... That I, I, I mean, I've asked you about this before, but I, I want to ask you like again and again. You blog like uh, weekly or at least almost weekly, right? Yeah, I mean, when I'm on, I'm blogging weekly. Okay. Um, but then like, you know, last two weeks I haven't blogged between like I, after dub I did like weekly, but before dub it was like, I think I did five posts all year. So maybe that's once a month, mm-hmm. something like that. So it's sometimes weekly. Like when I can, when I have the time and when I have the ability, it's weekly, but not always. Yeah. And then you also, I mean, you've given many more talks than I have. And uh, I mean, I, I haven't given really any conference talks. I've, I've given talks at like local meetups and things like that before. But how do you... Well, and internal talks at, at companies that you work at, right? Like you gave that yeah. string talk and a reactive one. Yeah, absolutely. Well, m- most of the slides for the reactive talk were stolen from uh, my friend Andrew, who is a really sharp developer. Um, nice. and, and, and to whom I did give credit in, in that talk. But nice. so I wanted, like, I wanted to ask, how do you come up with ideas for blog posts to write weekly or almost weekly? How do you come, if someone asks you to write a talk, how do you come up with an idea for that talk? Like, I feel like I, if you gave me a topic, you're like, hey, Chris, can you talk about memory management? Can you talk about some topic? I could absolutely write a talk about it. But how do you, uh, if you're just like aiming to write a talk or aiming to write a blog post, like, how do you find something that's interesting to write about or to talk about? Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to note that we're already in the meta level of it's a it's a conference talk about conference talks at this point, um, <laughs> which I'm, it was a podcast about conference talks about conference talks, which I'm down for. But I just want to want to call that out. So blogs and blog posts and conference talks are very different. Blogs, if people don't like them, they don't have to read them. They can just see the link, say, wow, this is insanely boring. I don't care. Uh, and just skip right past in their feed reader or in Twitter or whatever. A conference talk, someone is in that seat and you are one of maybe six, maybe eight, maybe 15, maybe 40 talks that they could see over the course of this two, three, four, five days. And so you have their attention for this thing and that attention, I feel like you have to treat as much more precious than a blog post. Because ultimately, someone mm-hmm. will read the first sentence of the first three paragraphs of your blog post, decide it's boring, and just close the tab. Then so it's fine. Yeah. But when you have someone, and, and also if they decide to read it all, the whole blog post takes five or ten minutes to read, unless it's you know super, super long. But you know it doesn't take too long to read. Whereas a conference talk is is 40 minutes, like or 20 to 40 minutes, and you like have this person's attention actually this like 150 to a thousand people's attention for that time and so i think you have to be more circumspect when you're thinking about a conference topic than you do with a blog post because the blog is really more about you and what you want to write about and the conference talk is more of oh also people are paying to see conference talks one other thing so you know they paid 
600, 800 bucks for a ticket to this conference and you're like some percentage of that. And so you really, really need to respect their time. Yeah, no pressure, but... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm like setting the whole the tone for the whole thing. So I have to kind of figure out like, I don't know, the keynote. It's very stressful. It's my first keynote. I have confidence that you'll do that you'll do well. And I'm happy to uh Thank you. Yeah, I hope so. I'm happy to let you practice on me. Yeah. Yeah, you can um, get a sense for this talk too. I guess I, I maybe hadn't thought so much about the differences between these two, but either way, like where where do you or how do you start coming up with ideas of topics? Uh for, for either of these things. Yeah. So, so yeah, so like more on the concrete level, the stuff that I try to do is stuff I think I would like to see six months ago, basically. So if it's a conference talk, it's like, well, I'm, I'm at this conference. I've already paid a ton of money. Like, what do I want to learn a ton about that I maybe like wouldn't have had a chance to, to, to learn about in another context? And so like, that's why I picked like the, the like sequence and collection thing. Cause it's like something that, I would like everybody to know about. I think everybody should know about it. Um, it's not something that you're going to find a really comprehensive resource about. And it's something that like you can kind of get on stage and teach in a way that, you know, is harder for other topics. The, let's say the coordinators talk that I gave, that was more um, along the lines of like a, you know, in a more academic environment, you might like present some research that you've done. And that was kind of more like what that was intended to be. And then there's always the like, let me talk about my story. Let me talk about my experiences and impart some sort of knowledge onto the crowd, the softer type of talk. Um, and that's like kind of like the Kanye West talk I gave, kind of like this talk that I'm going to probably be giving at a 360 iDev. And so the talks are basically like, like through that lens of, well, this person's stuck there and you have to respect their 40 minutes. Those are the kinds of things that usually come out of it for me. The blog posts, on the other hand, are like anything that tickles me, basically. I'm just like, this, something interesting is happening here, and I don't know what it is, and I like hammer on it until I have like a concrete thing to post about, and then I post. So for example, I did one blog post a while ago about like the idea of using view controllers for behaviors. So if you take a view controller and you add it as a child view controller, that view controller automatically gets like view did appear, view did disappear, um, callbacks. So if you wanted to like hook some behavior into those callback hooks, like you can do that pretty easily. So like you might make an analytics view controller that every time view did appear is called, um, it sends some analytics request. And then that is then attached to some behavior by adding as a child, which kind of also adds it as a behavior. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, there's something really interesting here. Oh, and then you also don't have to store it because the child view controller's array stores it for you. So you don't have to, you know, add a property for it or do any kind of like uh, associated objects kind of thing. Yeah. So that was something I was like, ah, there's something really interesting here. I don't really know what it is yet, but I'm going to like dig into it until I like figure out what it is and what it's useful for. And then like once that kind of like research exploration stage is done, then I try to hook, basically hook the reader with like, here's the problem that many of us have. And then I try to say, here's one approach for solving it, basically. So the blog yeah. posts are really more about like, you know, if I was tickled by this problem, what would I want to read about it that would like kind of enlighten me? Yeah. And so that's that's what I sort of shoot for. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess maybe that just requires being a little bit more introspective isn't exactly the right word, but maybe a little bit more self-aware about sort of what sort of things I'm working on 
than I am right now, right? Yeah, I think self-awareness is part of it. I think kind of like empathy is part of it too, of being able to like put yourself in someone else's shoes yeah, and say, what might this other person find interesting about this? Yeah. I'm yeah. hoping, I mean, so in my, uh, my current, like my, uh, as of two months ago, my new role, um, <laughs> I'm going to be working with, or I am working with everyone from like PhD students and postdocs to, uh, undergrad research assistants. And I'm like discovering more and more that like, oh, there's a lot of like software engineering sort of, uh, just principles. There are a lot of things that I, that I can teach everyone here that I wish someone had taught me when I was an undergrad. And I'm hoping that that, or I think that that really will lead to some interesting blog posts that, um, you know, if you don't have years of software development experience, that may be really useful blog posts, even if they seem somewhat obvious to people who've been doing this for a decade. For sure. I'm I'm excited to read the, because um, you've already published one of these posts, right? Yeah. So my, uh, I, this may still be my most recent blog post. I haven't posted anything in a while, but I posted a something on my blog a little while ago about what don't repeat yourself actually means, right? This is something that comes up in code review really often, and you can sort of throw the acronym DRY, like don't repeat yourself, around colloquially. And that's something that like actually isn't totally clear to someone who's new to software development or who's new to like software, you know, software engineering and solid principles. And so I put together this post, I kind of have a, a reference to point to so that, you know, if we're reviewing code for someone, like we actually have something to point to that says, hey, this seems kind of repetitive and like, this is why it's bad. And this is the sort, these are the sort of things that, that we want you to think about uh, or that anyone wants you to think about when you're writing code. Um, so yeah. I, I would say over the like medium to longer term here, look for some other posts sort of in this vein from me at least. Right. And I, what I was going to say is that I'm really excited about this, you know, if you can call it a series, like I hope it turns into a series um, of basically, because th- you're doing the same thing here, right? You're saying, when I was first starting out, what would I have liked to know, to know about, like, mm-hmm. basically, don't repeat yourself. And, um, you know, you have an audience in mind, and you have like this topic, and it's like, a, it's like a well researched and long and well written article. And it's something that doesn't exist. Like, I remember when we were talking about it, you were like, yeah, I went uh, hunting for something like this, and I just couldn't find it. I was like, we were discussing this, and I went looking for a decent reference or decent introduction to this, and didn't find one. Like, and so, uh, and and I asked you, and you didn't have anything to point me to either. And uh, I assume that I, well, I I know, actually, that I will keep coming up with these things like, oh, there's actually really no good, really there's there's no really good reference there's no really good introduction to this that i can find and um it's really hard to think back to when i was first learning this stuff and remember oh yeah this was kind of this was kind of difficult but i'm in a position right now where uh there are people who are like some at least somewhat new to a lot of these concepts and so hopefully that can really like jog my memory and and prompt me to write some useful things yeah, for sure. I, I'm yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to these to these posts. Cool. I think they're gonna be cool. good. Yeah. So if we go back to conferences, maybe at least for for a few minutes, mm-hmm. as someone who wants to attend conferences, how do you I mean, there are a lot of iOS conferences, there are a lot of general software engineering conferences. How do you decide what conferences to attend and what conferences to maybe sit back on? Yeah. Um, I think when I was younger, it was a lot about the people who were speaking 
Okay. And so it was like, oh, well, this person's going to be here. It'll be really interesting to get their perspective on like a certain thing. And I think like as I like kind of went to a couple of these, I realized that the for me at least the talks are not the most important thing. It's really the people who are there and the like conversations that you can have in the hallway, as they say. Okay. Um, so the stuff that I look for is like if there's a conference my friends are attending or if there's a conference someone that I know that seems interesting or smart is attending, um, I'll like shoot for that. Uh, and then the other the other big thing is like this is also you know dependent on price and dependent on access and stuff like that. But um, if you can go somewhere like really foreign and really interesting, uh, that's also like basically a slam dunk. So um, if there's a cool conference in Europe and you want to go to this particular city, um, that would be great. Uh, like conference, there's TriSwift Japan. If you've like always wanted to go to Tokyo but never had a good excuse, you may actually like go to the conference first. You may make some friends, and they all hang out in, to- in Tokyo and Japan broadly for a couple of days after, and you can kind of like maybe tag along with them and like you know explore the country in a way that you really wouldn't be able to explore otherwise. Yeah. So yeah, so I would say like base it on the people who are going to be there uh, in terms of the speakers, the people who are going to be there in terms of the audience, and then the like place that it's at. That makes sense. Yeah. A lot of things are, yeah, yeah about people and, uh, and location. That makes a lot of sense. You yeah. mentioned, um, except like access to some of these conferences. And I just wanted to briefly call out that like for a lot of conferences, there will be some, some number of like scholarships available or some amount of assistance. Um, this is true. I know of WWDC and of like a lot of other conferences in this community. And so, uh, even if, you know, you feel like, something may not be like immediately uh, within your reach. Like there, there's at least a chance with, with some conferences that uh, there's, there's some amount of help available to, to let you Definitely. go. Yeah. yeah. If you're a student or something like that, one interesting way to think about this is like the marginal cost, like the cost to the conference organizer to add one more person is usually pretty small. Mm-hmm. They've already got the venue um, they're paying the, of like a flat rate for that. Uh, the food is really, really fudged. So like, they're probably gonna have a ton of leftovers anyway. So the cost to adding someone who wouldn't be going anyway is pretty minimal. So they're actually some, sometimes pretty happy to do it. So if you just reach out and say, Hey, like I'm a student, I can't really afford this, but your conference seems really cool. And also bonus, maybe you've built something that's really cool that the conference organizer likes mm-hmm. and they want you to be there at that, at their conference. You may be surprised by how often people will we'll we'll move some stuff to make it so that you can come. Yeah, I remember when I was a student um and not necessarily with conferences but just in general, I don't think I fully appreciated how just how much flexibility people in general have in wh- whether it's like planning some sort of event or conference or I don't know. I remember even like in university, I was like just very nervous about like trying to like talk, like find time to talk with uh, like a professor at my university. Right. And looking back at this now and working at the same university now, like I go back and, and sort of look at some of the things that uh, still stick with me from undergrad and think, Oh, you know, I really should have like just tried to talk with, with that professor about that topic and like things, it probably would have been good. People are really friendly. Yeah. People are much more friendly than you would expect. Right. If you, um, yeah, try to talk with, with whoever's organizing a conference or, um, talk with whoever runs like scholarships for the co- uh, conference that seems really interesting to you. So you mentioned thinking about the people who will be at a specific conference. And 
I just like wanted to call out, this is something that I definitely think about if I'm considering going to a conference. But I also like there's, it's kind of a double-edged sword, like many things are. Something that I've found, um, frankly, just kind of stressful when I've gone to WWDC in the past is that there are so many people there and so many people who I'd like to see and so many people um, that it's almost just, it's a really stressful week. <laughs> like, but and I know that Beacon can can, can kind of help with this, although I wasn't at WWDC this year, so I didn't really get a chance to try Beacon, right? Um <laughs> That was something that almost like almost discouraged me from going to WWDC is just like the just like work and sort of mental effort and energy that goes into like trying to see everybody who I can possibly see and like pack my schedule with everyone who I know is going to be in San Jose for the week. And yeah, uh, for sure. That was like one of uh, a couple reasons that I didn't end up going to WWDC this year was just like. I, I didn't need the the stress of it. I also had a scheduling conflict, but yeah. Um, I mean, scheduling conflict aside, I would say that if you're not going to have fun at something, definitely don't do it. Um, and especially dub dub, I like take recharge days, recharge blocks. Like if I just want to get lunch alone, like just because I'm so stressed out about hanging out with people, I will absolutely do that. And I will just go take a walk or I will listen to a podcast or just like go hide in my hotel room. I've definitely done that in years past. Um, but WWE is, I think, unique in that everybody is there. Most of these other conferences, there's like, you know, if you've been doing this stuff for a while, maybe like three or four of your friends are there and that's it. Or like three or four of your close friends. And so you can, you know, you're going to see them. And then maybe a few people that are acquaintances that like, if you see them, great. And if you don't, you don't. Um, WWE is something like six, maybe 7,000 people. And like something like 360, I'd have 400 people, something like, What's a what's a smaller one? I think like French Kit in Paris. I think is like 150 people. With that amount of people, it's much easier to kind of say hi to everybody. It's also a much smaller cross section of your friends, so um, you know you're not going to be stressed out about like, oh, wait, I have 40 friends in town. There's no way I can see them all, and now I have to choose which ones I'm going to get to see and which ones I'm not. Yeah. So I think I think the conferences that aren't dub dub. Uh, them being smaller makes it a lot easier. I guess that's a fair point. Yeah, that's that's yeah. definitely something to keep in mind. Well, and they do range in size. Like, so you've been to Strange Loop. How Strange Loop is like eight, nine hundred people. Yeah, it's. I don't know an exact number, but that seems about right. And I know that they actually are expanding it this year, so they have significantly wow. more tickets. It's probably in the, like over a thousand people at this point. Right. So I went to Strange Loop last year, which was my first year going. Um, going back again this year, it's in uh, toward the end of September, and I think there are still a few tickets available if uh, any listeners are, are interested. Um, but I really enjoyed it last year. Um, I was there with a few coworkers from the Times. Uh, this year, I'll see. Uh, I'm just going by myself, but I think I'll see a few coworkers from the Times there, and I'm really looking forward to it. There are a bunch of interesting talks, not uh, just iOS. In fact, there are very few iOS uh, iOS centric talks. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one for whatever reason, as you were saying, maybe because uh, not everybody is there. Um, it's it's less stressful, and uh, at least for me, it's less stressful. And I really enjoyed St. Louis last year when I was there. And um, and Strange Loop is multi-track too, right? So like you yeah. can kind of pick what you want to see for that hour or whatever. Yeah. Where a lot of the smaller conferences in our community are single track. So it's like you're in this room or you're somewhere else, like you're either seeing the talks or you're not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, so you can kind of pick and choose. So, so it's a little bit bigger of a conference. The other interesting thing about Strange Loop is like the topics are all really weird, right? I wouldn't say they're. I wouldn't say weird necessarily. I wouldn't say they're all really weird. There are. I think they try to strike a balance between some like more. Yeah, what's the right word? Like esoteric or academic <laughs> sort of topics that are very like sort of out there computer sciencey. And some more uh, sort of down-to-earth things that you will encounter in your like day-to-day software development life. But I think that makes it kind of interesting. Like you can go to, uh, or last year I went to, I went to a talk about how the Go languages, um, I think, data race detector works. And that was like that was both interesting and like fairly down-to-earth, right? That's something that. Um, or maybe it was, uh, I forget what kind of detector it was, but it used the same sort of thing under the hood as the uh, as, as Thread Sanitizer does for, like, that's built into Xcode, right? Um, right? And also went to a talk that has, like, absolutely nothing to do with my day-to-day job, uh, which was about, um, at a really high level, it was about, like, mathematical simulation, um, how, how mathematical works to simulate, like, certain kinds of systems. And, I mean, that's not something I use day-to-day, but it was really interesting. Nice. I've seen topics, like, there's one that I really like um, called Spreadsheets for Developers, mm-hmm. and it's a woman who writes, uh, I think, insertion sort or selection sort using Excel, like not even using weird features of Excel, yeah. Like macros, just like straight up normal Excel, mm-hmm. and like like stuff like that. You just you don't find that at other conferences, and it's really cool. Yeah, it is. It is really cool. Um, this isn't a strange loop talk, but we'll throw a link in the show notes too to this. Uh, like I think fifteen minute video where uh, someone at a different conference implements a Turing machine in PowerPoint. Um, I saw that when I was wild. Because why not? Because you can't. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Strange Loop seems really cool. And is it a is it a longer conference? Do you find? Uh, no, it's um. You mean just in terms of like scheduling, like number of days? Of time? Yeah. No, it's a. I forget exactly. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I think, or maybe just Friday, Saturday. Um, it, it's a like two or three day conference. I guess I I could check my calendar here, but no, it's not a WWDC length conference. It's like right. a long, Those it's, it's ones are... a long weekend, basically. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and then, and then did you know anybody that was going as well or did you just make friends when you got there? Uh, last year I knew a people, a couple of my coworkers who were going, uh, and did make a couple new friends when I was there too. This year, I think a couple of my, a couple of my old coworkers from the times will still be there. Uh, but I haven't really coordinated with anyone. I'm just planning to show up and assume it'll be pretty fun. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be good. Worst case, St. Louis has jazz and beer, so I'll be pretty happy. (laughs) There you go. Um, yeah, I think it's all about like kind of what you can get out of them. Like if the talks are what you like, great. If the kind of hallway conversations are what you like, great. If you feel like you have a little bit more social anxiety and you want to travel in a group, then you should do it that way. Like it's all about like whatever you do that like makes you happy and makes you like feel comfortable while you're there. Like it's all about making sure that you have a good time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And if you like, especially if it's in a cool place and there's jazz and beer and you skip out for a couple of hours and you go do something fun. Uh, nobody will knock you for that. Yeah, I, I think you're still winning in that case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So go, maybe going back to the where we started this episode, I feel like th- there was another episode where we discussed some of the considerations that you had when you were giving a conference talk. 
Maybe this was the Tri-Swift Japan episode? Yeah, I think we did an episode on both Australia and Japan, and we talked about, like, some of the conference stuff there, too. Yeah, so if you're interested in hearing more about this topic, uh, we'll include links to both of those episodes in the show notes. Um, And aside from that, I don't know if I really have anything to add. No, I don't think I have anything else to add either. If you're going to be at 360 iDev, definitely say hi. Um, if you see me at another conference later this year, also say hi. I love talking to uh, podcast listeners. If you're going to be at Strange Loop this year, definitely say hi. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. I don't think we've actually put links to our Twitter accounts and show notes in a long time. Yeah, we don't do that much. But uh, we'll we'll do that. And if you want to you know, hit us up at either of these conferences, then uh, you know, uh, use Twitter to find us. Yeah, for sure. Say hi. And uh, maybe say use Beacon to... to Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Beacon is actually going to be an official partner of 360 iDev. Oh, wow. And um, yeah. And so like, like, there will be official stuff on there. My talk will be on there and I'll be, uh, you know, on the ground going to bars and restaurants and posting up on the app. So if you see me there, you can also, uh, also join a Beacon event. Cool. And I'll see if I can make Beacon happen at uh, Strange Loop. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, on that note, I guess, uh, Serge, it's been great talking with you. Um, oh, thank you so much to all of our, uh, to all of you, our Patreon supporters. You, as we've said time and time again, you make it possible for us to pay for the show to be edited and for our uh, hosting costs and uh, other incidentals that come up. And we really do appreciate your support. Thank you very much. For sure. Much love to the Patreon people. Absolutely. And on that note, I will talk to you next week. Sounds great. Talk to you soon.